Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Allison. Joining me today is Jay Thompson. Jay is a former brokerage owner, a retired real estate veteran, and still super involved in the industry. He's one of those guys that even though you try uh, to let go and say you're going to be done, he is definitely not done, still super involved in our real estate world. He writes a weekly column for Inman, and he speaks on real estate topics around the world. Um, So super Super excited to have him on today. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Allison. It's good to be here. Yeah, and Jay, we're going to talk today about realtor safety. So NAR declares September uh, Realtor Safety Month. This is such an important topic, and it's something that we haven't dedicated an episode of the show to yet. So I'm super excited to be talking about this today. And um, But before we get going on today's topic, I want to know, Jay, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of the guests who join us on the podcast, which is since the show is called The Real View, I'd like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen? Really hard question, but I'd have to say about almost exactly Exactly a year ago, I had a sailing adventure. I helped crew a boat, a sail from Honolulu, a thousand miles south to a place called Ira Atoll, which is just a little tiny coral atoll. If you stick your finger in the middle of Pacific on a globe, you hit Palmyra, and it's the middle of nowhere, which was stunningly beautiful of itself. But the best view I've ever had was the first time I walked up on deck onto that sailboat in the middle of the night. The night sky literally made me cry. It was unbelievable. We were 800 miles from anywhere, so it is pitch dark. And the Milky Way stretched all the way across the sky. There were shooting stars everywhere. Blew me away. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And you don't realize, especially when you live in cities and you get away from all the lights, how bright and beautiful that yeah. night sky truly is. It, it was unbelievable. There were the colors, which you never really see in the city, but you could see blue, orange stars and red stars and crazy cool. It's probably the single coolest thing. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, yeah, very, very cool. Very beautiful. Love a good night sky. And I love I'm a big stargazer, too. So love the opportunity to go see anything like that in the sky. I think it's just super cool. So, Jay, I want to hear a little bit about you. I know um, you've been retired um, as a practicing agent for some time now and a broker owner. But tell me a little bit about your career. How did you get started in real estate? What has been um, your career journey? Tell us a little bit about how you got started and what led you to where you are today. Sure. Um, I worked in the semiconductor manufacturing industry for almost over 20 years. And I was in human resource and resource manager at the end of that career. And all I did for the last years was lay people off because we were shutting down factories. Miserable. I didn't get into HR to lay people off, but that's what we did. Knowing the whole time that as soon as we were done with all the factory shutdowns, the HR group would get laid off too. And we did. So I 
I was sick and tired of corporate America. I had friends that were in real estate and I got a nice severance package. So I looked at my wife and I said, let's, let's try the real estate thing and let's see what we can do with it. Fully intending in, I was in Arizona at the time and in Arizona, you have to be licensed as a sales agent for three years before we can sit for your broker's test. But that was the plan from the get-go was to get our brokers, get my broker's license and open my own brokerage. My wife also got licensed. So we did that and almost three years to the day after getting licensed, we opened Thompson's Realty of Phoenix, of the Phoenix area. Originally planned on having us, my wife and I, and two other friends. We had 32 agents and successful and it was a wild time. Zillow gave me the proverbial offer, you can't refuse. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my brokerage? It was in Seattle, so that didn't work out very well. This was like having a long distance relationship with my wife, which is terrible. So we uh, merged our brokerage with EXP Realty, which took all the broker duties off my wife's plate because she became the broker when I went to Zillow. And that worked great. We, uh, I worked at Zillow for almost seven years and then retired now four years ago, which is hard to believe. Time flies. And the original plan when I retired was to do just that, retire and, I don't know, do whatever retired people do, sit around and watch TV and eat bonbons on the couch. But <laughs> that made my brain rot. And I don't, I don't want my brain to rot. So I stayed involved in real estate because real estate was my life. We, we ran our brokerage for years. I worked at Zillow for years. All my friends are real estate agents. Um, and as you know, that industry just sucks you in and won't let you go. So I started writing, which has been great because I'm retired, selectively retired. Yeah. And it's probably nice to have that flexibility, right? Too, you know, you can kind of decide when you want to write and then the article gets released each week. But when you actually want to do the writing and the work for it, you know, it can kind of be up to you. It's kind of, kind of nice. Yeah, it's perfect. It really is. I've done some consulting and, but I call it selective retirement because I get to select what I I don't do. But one thing I have done consistently is um, I was appointed to the board of directors of the Beverly Carter Foundation. Um, which is all about realtor safety. And I've been on that board for right about the time I retired. It's almost four years now. I'm the treasurer now. And that foundation is great. It was founded by Carl Carter, who was the son of Beverly Carter, who a lot of people listening have probably heard the Beverly Carter story. She was a broker in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, who very tragically was kidnapped and unfortunately murdered, gosh, in I don't even remember when it was now, which is sad, 2014, it's been a while. So Carl took that tragedy of his mother's death and said, I want to try to keep anybody else from having to go through this ever. And so the foundation was found, was started um, with the objective of mostly training and education, trying to help people understand why safety is important, things that they can do. Carl and all the board directors have speak all over the country, all over the world, actually, about realtor safety. It's so, so important. It's, it's, I think it's the most important thing because all the commission checks and all the clients in the world do you absolutely no good if you're attacked. Or, and, and there's, I don't ever want to make people paranoid about their safety um, because if you look at the statistics, statistically speaking, odds are you're not going to ever run into any problem. But on the other hand, almost all the time you hear stories about agents getting, uh, you know, assaulted, raped, killed, kidnapped. Their agents are lone workers, what the, what the industry calls lone workers. They work alone the vast majority of the time, which puts them in a position 
of potential danger. And that's what we want to try to prevent at the Beverly Carter Foundation. Is it just because that's kind of one of your personal passions is realtor safety? And I know you talk about your wife being an agent and, you know, being, you know, concerned and conscious about her safety. Um, What made you want to get so involved? Is it just a personal passion or how did you decide to really become involved in it? Yeah, it it is a personal thing. I remember I remember to this day, the first time my wife was packing up her stuff and I said, where are you going? She said, well, I'm going to meet this lead that we got at a house. And the, the first thing in my head was, my wife is about to go meet a complete stranger at an empty house. And I was, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was scared, but I was concerned. And that's when I started looking into it, things that what can we do to, to ensure she's safe? I'm safe when I go out and do the same thing. It happens to men too. A lot of people think these agent safety issues you, you hear about are focused on women. And while and it, that's not true, it's about 50, 50, which is about the general mix of the, gender population. Men are in just as much, have just as much concern as women. Maybe women have a little more concern, but um, yeah, they started with that. It started with my wife going out solo. Um, it's, I, I had a personal experience. I was at an open house one time and some guy walked in that, to be honest, just creeped me out. I just got a really bad vibe and a feel from, from as soon as he walked in the door, I was just like, something's not right about this. And I'll talk about that later, how important it is to listen and, and trust your gut instinct. Um, so it just kind of evolved from that. And when the Beverly Carter thing happened, I didn't know Carl Carter at all at the time. I wish, I honestly wish I'd never met the man. He's, he's a wonderful, caring, incredible human being. But the only reason I know Carl is because of what happened to his mother. But when that started up, that kind of really highlighted the things that can happen in this industry. And that passion of mine just grew and grew and I'm passionate about it to this day because I think it's really, really important. Oh, it's so important. And, you know, we can't emphasize it enough. And I love that NAR kind of gives a designated month to it in the month of September. But really, we should be highlighting this and focusing on this year round. And I know at Ohio Realtors, we always try to be putting out information and little safety tips and in ways and and tips of the day, tips of the week on how, um, you know, you can just make yourself and your world a little bit safer. And you mentioned it a little bit. But like you said, when we think of safety, we think of kind of extreme events, you know, getting physically it's attacked or, you know, something like that. But what you mentioned in your article is what's a lot more common is like accidents, slipping and falling, getting into car wrecks, robbery, you know, identity theft, internet theft. I think, you know, that could be a whole other, <laughs> but we could do a whole episode on, on internet and cybersecurity and all that kind of stuff. And those things don't really get reported and talked about a lot. We really hear about those extreme extreme attacks way more than some of these more um, common events. Talk a little bit about kind of what you see and what's what's more common and kind of what are the biggest things out there that realtors should kind of be aware of as far as accidents and common things that are happening in their workplace. That's a really great point. You're right. The extreme events are the ones that get depressed, right? It's what gets people to click on headlines, the, the murders, the rapes, the assaults. The lower the crime, the less attention it tends to get. The statistics bear out that it's actually kind of the opposite. It's the very small petty crimes that happen the most, and it's the major events that happen the least. So they kind of flip around with what gets exposed. A lot of agents don't, I think, don't pay attention to certain things. You're in the car a lot as a real estate agent. You're driving a lot. And it's just math. The more you drive, the more likely you are to get in an accident. That's why 
auto insurance, the more miles you put on your car, the more expensive your rate is because the odds go up every time you get behind the wheel of a car. So I think it's really important for agents to, to keep that in mind. Petty theft happens a lot in real estate. Typically, it's at open houses, but it also happens during showings. You know, we, we've, we, the industry, have advised agents forever, if you're holding an open house, lock up prescription medications, jewelry, guns, things that are easy for somebody to come in and steal. But despite all the warnings, it happens all the time. That's got to be a really uncomfortable conversation to have with your client. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we held your house open today. I'm really sorry, but your jewelry box is now empty because somebody came in or two people came in and one person distracted me and I couldn't watch the other one while they were out in your bedroom pilfering through your jewelry box. Happens all the time. You've got to warn your sellers, again, not to make people overly paranoid, but there's simple precautions that should be taken every single time you have an open house, right? Put away the jewelry. And I don't mean just put it away, don't stuff it in a drawer because that's not put away. The jewelry, the guns, the prescription medications, those are the three highest targeted items in open houses. And it's typically open houses, although it can happen with showings. I'm sure every agent listening out there has taken couples on showings. And, you know, usually it's the dad, the guy starts wandering off. He goes into the backyard. He goes into the garage. You're talking to the to the wife or the female in the process because she's the one that makes the really makes the decision. And you just lose track somebody. And sadly, criminals are very good at doing what they do and they understand basic human behavior. And they know, hey, if I engage this person, they want to make a sale. They're going to be for me. Meanwhile, my partner can go off and rifle through stuff and steal whatever they want. There's other more subtle things that happen sometimes where a person will go and they'll, during a showing, during an open house, they just unlock a window and then they come back later when the house is empty, all in through the window they unlocked and steal what the TVs and the china and the silverware and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, agents need to get into a routine and a pattern, have a checklist if that's what it takes. When you first open an open house, or if you're a listing agent and you're opening your home for a showing, check to make sure all the windows are locked and do the exact same thing when you're closing up shop. When the open house ends, you lock yourself inside, you check every single window, first and second floor, and make sure that they're still locked, set the alarm system if one's available, that type of thing. So getting into that routine and just being conscious and aware of the things that can happen to you, you know, when it comes to the cars, keep a kit in your trunk that has things to make sure your spare tire is full or, or is functional. Make sure you've got a jack and a tire iron, a lug, a lug wrench to change a tire. Just be prepared for the all of the things that can happen. Your kit for your car can include like things like little orange cones that you can set up behind your car if it breaks down flares that you can put on the road, especially important at night. Um, if you live where it's cold, put a blanket in your car in case you get your car breaks down and you have to spend the night on the side of the road when it's 12 degrees outside, you want a blanket. Just the opposite. If you live where it's really hot, throw some Gatorades and a cooler in your car. Always be prepared. It's, I was a Boy Scout and the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. And there's a lot to that. Um, those simple little things that you can do in advance can really help set you up if and when there's some kind of issue, right? Much better to have a blanket or drinks or something in your car all the time than wish you had it when it happens.
This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. When you talked about the open houses and in your article um, on Inman, it's 61 safety tips every real estate agent should read. And um, you guys definitely go check it out. Jay kind of lays these all out and gives a ton of tips for you. But one of the things, too, you kind of go into in your article is um, about what you can do at open houses. And when you think of open houses, you're like, oh, people are just going to be wandering in and out. And I have no idea who these people are. And, you know, but you actually give some really good tips on how you can know who's at your open house and how you can make sure that, you know, it's not just that random in and out. Tell us a little bit about what agents can do as far as open houses and ways they can be safe with who's coming in and out of those open houses. I'm a big proponent of having people sign in for a couple of reasons. One, the safety reason. Two, I'm not a big fan as an agent of open houses because I, most of the time they don't sell the house. A lot of agents use open houses to gather leads. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just not personally a fan of it. But if that's your thing, then you need contact information from the people that are coming through the open house. A real simple sign-up sheet, name, email, and phone number. Um, you can do it with a pen and paper. You can do it on an iPad, open house apps. Don't overthink it. Really, all you're trying to do is capture basic information, name, email, and phone number. Yes, that can all be faked. Um, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, people just enter a fake email. True, but you'll at least screen out the what I call the random encounters, right? Somebody that's, a lot of crime happens because it's a crime of opportunity, right? So you get a bad guy that's driving down the street and they go, ooh, open house. There, there's a potential target. It wasn't even on their mind. It wasn't premeditated, it wasn't pre-planned. It's a crime of opportunity. They happen by, they see an open house, they go in. And the first thing you, you have to do is, is enter their personal information or somewhat personal information, it might cause them to think twice and go, you know what, this person is probably, I'll go find an easier target, right? Criminals want the easiest target they can find. That's just the criminal mind and criminal nature. So if you make that, make yourself a tough target, you're likely to defer the potential of a lot of other crime. So simple sign in. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking people for an ID. A lot of people go, oh, that's invading their space and it's personal. You have to show an ID for everything, right? I rented a car the other day. I went up to see my beautiful granddaughter we were talking about before the show. I had to show my ID to rent a car. Why shouldn't I have to show my ID to look at a house? To walk into someone's right. house, yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're buying a car and you want to test drive it, they're not just going to go, here's the keys, have fun. They're going to want to see your driver's license before they let you drive off in a 10000 50000 whatever $1,000 car. There's nothing wrong with asking for ID for someone to come in and view someone's personal space in their multi-hundred-thousand-dollar home. Most people understand that. I, I talk to tons and tons of agents, and they'll say things like, well, I don't want to turn somebody off right away. It's not a turnoff. You just explain to the person. Say, look, the seller, the owner of this home has asked for ID check. It's for my safety. 
It's for your safety. It's for the owner's safety. But I think 100% of legitimate home shoppers will go, here you go, no problem. Yeah, action of people that go, who are you, random real estate agent, to ask me for my ID? Well, do you really want that person as a client anyway? It sounds like they're kind of a jerk to start with. So yeah, ask for ID, ask for registration info, and always, always, always don't let people wander around. A lot of agents are like, well, I just let them have their space. They can wander around the home and you don't have to hover over them, but you can walk someone to the bedroom and you can stand in the doorway, which is not a bad place to stand from a safety perspective, right? You don't want to get in the room with the person between you and the door. So always keep the escape, so to speak, available. You stand in the doorway and you let the person wander through the bedroom. At least you're there. Just being present in the room is going to keep someone from opening the jewelry box and stuffing a bracelet in their pocket or starting to choke you or do something worse. Yeah. And like I mentioned, you give a ton of tips. You know, we mentioned some of them here, but you talk about two that you identify as the most important. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode, but it's the trust your instincts and practice situational awareness. So these are kind of your two biggest takeaways. And if you guys take anything with you from today's episode, these are kind of the two big ones. So tell us a little bit about these two key um, safety tips and what they are and how agents can practice them. Your instinct as a human being is, is very good. A lot of our instincts have been detuned over thousands of years. But the basic ones are still there, the fight or flight response and just your that gut feel when something just doesn't seem right. Almost every safety incident, whether it's real estate agents or otherwise, and I'm talking about these, these are kind of the major incidents where someone gets attacked or, you know, robbed by force or sadly raped or even murdered. Most of the time, that person, that victim will say, you know, something just didn't feel right. And it can be, I've talked to agents that, you know, I pulled up at a house to show, didn't even get out of the car and just got this vibe that something wasn't right. Trust that vibe because the vast majority of times it's going to be accurate. So that whole trust your gut thing is really, really important because your gut is really, really good. I don't know why it's some biological, physical thing that our brain deep in our brain says something's not right here. Be cautious. The other thing is situational awareness, and it's super important. It's kind of a fancy sounding term. It's just being aware of your surroundings. If you poke around on the internet, you'll find stories about that kind of thing. I've got a couple of personal examples, I think, that highlight situational awareness really good. I used to live in downtown Seattle, right? Whole urban thing, skyscrapers everywhere, lived in a downtown apartment. And I was out walking one night. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And like most downtowns, the Seattle downtown kind of shuts down at night. All the stores are closed. There's not a lot of people out on the streets. And there was a woman walking ahead of me probably about half a block ahead of me. There was nobody between me and her. And she stopped at an ATM machine that was on a wall of a bank, right? Right on the sidewalk. And she starts digging in her purse for her ATM card because she needs money. The whole time I'm walking towards her, I'm thinking to myself, this woman has no clue 
that I'm behind her. She just, she had her earbuds in her, she was listening to music or a podcast or whatever on her phone. She's not looking around and she goes up to the ATM machine. She gets her card out. She kind of holds her purse up against the ATM machine with her hip while she puts her card in the machine. And I'm thinking in my head, the safety guy in my head is thinking, I could grab that woman's purse and start running and have, and I would have her purse. There's no way she could catch me. Not that I'm a, some built up athlete. I'm a 61 year old man who's always been slow. But if I grab someone's purse and they're unaware, she's got to turn around and figure out what the heck is going on. And I'm already halfway down the block. Or I could have waited till the machine, the money came out of the machine and snatched that and ran. Or if I was a really bad guy, I could have put my arm around her neck and drug her into the alley and done whatever I wanted to. She was completely clueless that I was even there. Did she really need that money right then at 10 o'clock at night? Probably not. Probably could have waited till the next morning in the broad daylight when there's people everywhere. And most criminals, again, they're looking for crimes of opportunity. They're looking for good chances where they can commit a crime and not get caught. No criminal wants to get caught. Go to the ATM machine during the day. Then you can go inside the bank where nobody's probably nobody's going to snatch and run your purse or drag you out by the neck, kicking and screaming. My other situational awareness, very personal to me, I was I was speaking in Barcelona, Spain at a real estate event in Barcelona. And I always always bring my wife with me on trips like that because we I speak for an hour and then I spend the next week being a tourist. And I was leaning up against the wall. Uh, we, we were going on a tour on a little band that was going to take us out to Montserrat, which is this really cool monastery outside of Barcelona. And I'm a big photographer, so I'd just taken some really cool street pictures, and I was leaning against the wall on my phone, editing the photo, because I was about to post it to Facebook. And the next thing I know, I feel my arms being manipulated, and two guys, one of them grabbed my arm and held it, and the other one snatched my iPhone out of my hand, and they both started running with my iPhone. I ran after them, NFL wide receiver speed, and they knew exactly where they were going. I'm in Barcelona, Spain, and didn't know where I was. So they were gone along with my iPhone, all because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't being situationally aware of what was going on around me. All I had to do was, first of all, I could have waited 15 minutes till I got on the tour. Or if I had just looked around they would have gone off and found an easier target or a mark. That's a mark is what the criminal mind calls it. I was an easy mark. I'm an older guy. I was completely absorbed in my phone. I had no idea that they were even there. Unbeknownst to me, my wife later said, did you not hear our tour guide yelling, watch your belongings, watch your belongings? Because she knows these people right? She knows the type of person is. She's very situationally aware. She doesn't want her tour guide members to get ripped off. So she's apparently screaming, watch your stuff, because she sees these guys walking towards the group. I was so into my phone, I didn't even hear her. Of course, my wife then looks at me like I'm an idiot, because, and she's right, I was. So there I am now in Barcelona, my $1,200 cell phone is long gone. Now, because I set my phone up, there were, I could grab my wife's phone, and I could turn off my phone. So I made it useless for the thieves, but it was also useless for me. And I found myself in Barcelona without a phone, which sucked. Not to mention it was a, I don't know, whatever an iPhone costs, a thousand dollars for the iPhone, but 100% preventable. 
all I had to do literally was look up or wait five minutes. And so be aware of your surroundings. It's so important and it's so easy. If you're walking down the street with earbuds in, pull so that you can hear what's going around all around you. Use all of your senses, sight, smell, hearing, touch, everything. Again, you don't have to have your head on a swivel, constantly being paranoid that something's about to happen to you. But the lady walking in front of me at 10 o'clock at night should have known that somebody was, all she would have had to do was glance across her shoulder. I wasn't going to do that stuff, but there's people out there that would. And again, did she need that money at 10 o'clock at night? Almost certainly not. You've got to be in tune and conscious and aware of your surroundings. There's a drill that police do a lot of times when they're doing speaking things. They're like, I want to show you this picture. I'm going to show you this picture for 10 seconds. And then you're going to repeat to me the objects that you see in that picture. And a lot of people can go, oh, there was a guy sitting at a desk. And that's in there. He had a computer. And then the cop will say, what color were the walls? And people are like, I don't know. Where was his lamp? I don't know. You know, you can kind of train your eye to be more situationally aware. You don't have to be police detective good at situational awareness, but just being aware and cognizant of what's happening around you, the sights, the sounds, the smells can help prevent a lot of crime and hands down the best thing to do when it comes to crime is stop it before it even happens, right? That is and every crime expert and the police will tell you that, that the single best thing you can do is, is to prevent it from happening in the first place. Absolutely. And you kind of ended on the perfect note with don't be afraid, but be aware. And I think that's so important. You don't, like you said, you don't need to be paranoid. You don't need to go to work every day and go to your listings every day and think, oh my gosh, is something going to happen to me? But just keeping it in the forefront of your mind and, and having it always on your mind, you know, um, just just being aware, as you mentioned, um, seeing what you can take care of to, to put those steps in place to just make yourself and those around you a little bit more safer can avoid these situations from happening, which is which is really important. So Jay, this was so fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing this knowledge and insight. And I can tell you're so passionate about it. Thank you for the work that you do and your service on the um, Beverly Carter uh, Foundation Board. I think that's super important. And thank you so much. This, this was great. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in as well. I will talk to you next time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. Hey, Ohio Realtors, register now for the fourth annual Broker Summit happening October 18th in Westerville, Ohio. Plus, make sure to join us for the all new Team Summit happening the day before the Broker Summit. That's right, two straight days of learning and networking just for you. Don't miss out on this important opportunity. Register today by visiting ohiorealtors.org.